0: So tonight I would like to uh, explore with you, it's really in some ways the, the um, you know, it is the, kind of the heart of um, what the Buddha was pointing at. And it's really what is known as dependent origination. And so what I'd like to do is I'm going to just go through it. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but just uh, enough to kind of get the gist of how it works. And uh, then I want to go on to what is known as the liberative uh, dependent origination, which really has to do with um, once we understand the wheel of dependent origination, there is actually kind of a process we go through to arrive um, at really freedom. So again, it's, it's kind of one of these maps. And I have to start out by saying, you know, um, they're just maps, you know. But ultimately, you know, this is a simple, simple process. It's simply, can you learn to let go? That's all. That's the whole thing, you know, whether it's a thought or whether it's a sensation or whether it's an emotion or a story. Uh, Can you just, it's just that simple, you know? And the rest of this, in a sense, is kind of, uh, in a sense, sometimes I think of it as just fluff around it, you know? So I'll start with a little story here, because um, uh, this many, uh, many years ago, many years ago, it's kind of like that poem. Uh, <laughs> um, I remember, we were, what, I it was a 10-day retreat here in California, and I, I'd, I'd been in India for several years, I came back to the States for six months, <clears throat> kind of disastrous, but it was, it was actually good dharma, and... Um, uh, and so, I, I went to retreat, and then uh, Sharon Salzberg was with me, and we kind of went from this 10-day retreat, then we went to India for um, for a 30-day retreat. So, we got there and went up to, uh, and goenka um, at the time asked us, you know, <clears throat> to do a little bit of uh, managing, like ring bells, you know. So, um, she actually was on, but uh, there was a storm, it was full moon, it's like, Today, this is the first day of spring, you know, it's when kind of the between the What uh, things line up and uh, it's actually a precious precious time, you know, for um, You know planetary realities so uh, anyway, so we get there and um, It was actually a, a full moon night and my job was to go around and take a, this Burmese bell, and I would smack it and wake everybody up. You know, reasonable, right? And we got up at four o'clock in the morning. But unfortunately, uh, you know, it was India in the, uh, 1972, and the alarm clock I had was, uh, what, semi-functional, let's put it that way. <laughs> you know? So it went off, you know, and of course, it's dark, and it's raining, and, and so I get up, and I, oh, you know, go for it. So I go out, and I ring this bell in every room. I mean, I am good boy, you know, <laughs> and I smack that thing, and I get them all up, you know, some I'm a little lazy, you know, so I get them up, and they go in to sit, and I go back to my room, and I look at the clock, and it's 1.30 in the morning. <laughs> Right? So I'm just terribly, you know, it's like um, the self, the self appeared, uh, you know, as a little bit of a monster, you know, and with the guilt and shame and all the things that you know I hadn't worked out yet, I hadn't been to therapy yet. so anyway. So um, anyway, I go and I sit in my room and uh, I think, you know, you know, come breakfast time, there's going to be some yogis. They're going to kill me, (laughs) you know, you know. But, you know, it was the most amazing. I got these notes and they were about, oh, thank you so much. I was like, what, you know, and some of them had sat the whole time, you know, from about two in the morning. Uh, to breakfast, and and they thought it was the greatest thing, you know. And it was pouring rain, it was full moon, and you know, and uh, it was really kind of a, a interesting uh, revelation about dependent origination, how things start, and the way we can make things up, you know. So um, I want to start just. Uh, this is a uh, actually from Changsu, or Lao Tzu, actually, this one. Always we hope someone else has the answer. Some other place will be better. Some other time it will all turn out. This is it. No one has the answer. No other place will be better. And it has already turned out. And it has already turned out. At the center of your being, you have the answer. You know who you are, and you know what you want. There is no need to run outside for better seeing. There's no need to run outside for better seeing, nor to appear from a window. Rather, abide at the center of your being. For the more you leave it, the less you learn. Search your heart and see the way to do. The way to do is to be. So uh, at the end of this month long that... um, in India, I was in, in uh, Dharamsala. Uh, no, it was in, uh, you see, my memory's going too. Uh, <laughs> uh, in Dalhousie. And um, so at the end of the month retreat, uh, Goenka said, you have to study uh, the wheel of dependent origination. You know, So I got one of these, little they, at the time, a little Sri Lanka um, publication, Uh, With the list on it, you know, and so I I sat in this for 10 days. I sat in this um, Little room uh, at the mayor of Dalhousie at at his house, you know And they um, and what was interesting is that it had bars on the window So, um, I don't know why it was kind of like a jail, you know, but I was supposed to learn dependent origination right And I read this thing over and over and I never did get a thing out of it, you know So uh, a lot of it to me is really, I I don't think in those, in these kind of in linear terms in in it, you know, and um, but it's also something over the years uh, I see these are the fundamentals that the Buddha was pointing at, that this was kind of how it happens, you know. So from the Buddha. Profound Ananda is this dependent arising. It appears profound. It is through not understanding, not penetrating this law, that the world resembles a tangled skew of thread, a woven nest of birds, a thicket of bamboo and reeds. That person does not escape from heavy realms of existence, from states of woe and perdition, and suffers the cycles of existence. So, um, I had a little handout there, and, and uh, just a primary explanation here. First, uh, in the tradition, uh, the center of that uh, drawing you have uh, is really the fundamentals. And there is uh, there uh, the how it all goes on, is this, the circling of uh, what they say is uh, greed, uh, hatred and delusion, you know, and it spins, and it creates our world, you know. And uh, in, in the particular painting, it has a, uh, a pig which uh, digs its head in the mud and covers its eyes, and it's really that that doesn't see is ignorance, you know. And then uh, there is the snake, yeah, we had a nice snake out there a little, um, on the path. Beautiful uh, king snake, you know. Um, so don't worry if you see him. He's just, uh, or she, she, they're having a good time out there. Just uh, at springtime, you know. And um, and they say that uh, the snake actually carries its own poison, you know. So uh, in that way, it's, it's aversion or uh, greed, I mean anger uh, as a representation. And uh, then the third one is, uh, in this case, uh, the cock, which uh, they say runs through the hen house. This is Tibetan style, you know, uh, always chasing everything. So this is the kind of the truth of greed, hatred, and delusion. And it kind of spins and keeps all of this, keeps the wheel uh, of dependent origination arising. The, there is the kind of the second wheel before that. We're going to just talk about the outer wheel. But there is also what they call the six realms. And the six realms, uh, I would say, um, one of the best things I've read, which is probably old now, is um, Mark Epstein has a book, uh, Thoughts Without a Thinker. And he describes uh, the the realms in it from a Jungian point of view uh, As psych- psychological uh, kind of places and when we get caught uh, in uh, kind of our own realms That's a great explanation And then there is the outer and the outer is this is the really the wheel of dependent origination and um, to Keep it really simple, you know there, are, there is um, the first uh, six of them uh, actually is about the past. And uh, then uh, as there is uh, the present, and then there are sort of the, the last, is it four or five? I'm not sure, I didn't count them, but uh, the last set of them. So it's really the past, the, the present, and the future. And they are the whole kind of wheel itself. And just to give a kind of description here, because there I think it's very helpful, you know, that all of this uh, in that center wheel uh, is the kind of our beginning in the sense of it spins. And out of that, uh, this outer wheel uh, takes form. And so a little description here. So it all starts with ignorance. You know, and because they're ignorance, they say there are uh, volitional formations. And volitional formations uh, are somewhat, uh, sometimes they describe them as karmic formations. But it really is the, you know, that uh, the Buddha talked about from the beginning, beginningless time. Uh, things have been going on. And that we have been, in essence, we are a product of both uh, good ones and difficult ones. And the description is a, of a potter who is making pots, and he has some pots that are perfectly made, and then they're broken pots. That's a description is, uh, that we are all kind of the mix of that, uh, kind of the good and bad in that sense, you know? And um, because there is ignorance and there is volitional or karmic formations, then consciousness exists. And because consciousness exists, then uh, what is kind of happens out of it is what we know as nama rupa, or the uh, mind body appears. And because the mind and the body appear, uh, that description of the six senses, uh, which is sort of the doors and the windows, in the kind of uh, that I described in the one seat. That go on, so those six senses appear, you know, and then once those six senses appear, uh, then uh, the world, and the world then there's contact, and once there's contact, there's feeling, and I'm just going to go through it. So once there's feeling, uh, then uh, there's grasping, and if there's grasping, uh, then there's attachment. If there's attachment, then. Uh, Things are becoming, you know. And if they're becoming, then they will take birth. And if they take birth, they have their nature. They will grow old, get sick, and die. Isn't that wonderful? You know, just a description, though. So I I want you just to, because, you know, the Buddha really pointed this. He, He said, he who sees dependent arising sees the Dharma. He who sees the Dharma sees dependent arising. You know, so that's this is sort of the fundamentals of what he experiences. Okay, here it is. Here is a kind of a description of uh, what arises as the past. Uh, there is with the contact. There is this vedna or this feeling that's in that happens in present time, right now. And then, if there, if if there's grasping, uh, then there's attachment. There's becoming, there's birth, and then there is old age, sickness, and death, and then it starts over again. So you can take this however you want on what level you know. Um, the, the, I like to do it is it happens in a moment. You know, you appear out of nowhere. Did you notice that? You, what happened? You appeared out of nowhere, and you can see that these formations. Uh, The the fact that, you know, uh, in a sense, the volitional formations, uh, I don't know where they come from. They appear, though. And out of that, then there's a noticing. And out of the noticing, then uh, one recognizes a body and a mind and that uh, the awareness of the senses Uh, and that there's always contact that's happening. And that in that contact, uh, there is feeling, vedna, you know. And so you can study this over and over again. It's, it, you know, it is, in a sense, uh, it's just the past, the present, the future, and it happens in every moment. And that when we don't get it, when we don't get it, and there is grasping, and there is attachment, there is becoming, you know. And so we always are having the chance here, in a sense, uh, to kind of choose, uh, choose our own goodness, uh, to choose our power to, to have this capacity, oh, you know what, I can let go, I can, I can let that be, I don't have to do this, you know. And I think in some ways it's kind of deceptive in some ways that, you know, this word uh, it sometimes I think is just uh, somewhat, it's a wonderful word, but it's also overused somewhat in the fact that uh, letting go Because in letting go itself, uh, when there is any wanting for that to happen, when suffering arises and there is a wanting to let go, uh, it's somewhat counterproductive, you know, because you have to look at what is letting go. And letting go, actually, uh, if there's any kind of desire in it, uh, this is not what we're talking about. Uh, Letting go is actually a process that comes from something. It comes from actually letting it be just as it is, you know. And so we can begin to actually support ourselves and recognize that we are kind of choosing, you know, that, oh, I'm just going to let that be. It comes in, I notice it, um, you know, I may say not now, I may say, oh, you know, take me, let let go through me, come on, move through, you know. And uh, I'm noticing, oh, Uh, That I'm just letting it be, and there's no grasping. And so, over and over again, you will, you know, this circle keeps happening over and over again, and and you will find, uh, unfortunately, uh, at least what I know about it, is that uh, a lot of times the suffering, is what uh, we begin to notice, you know, is that when uh, there's some kind of uh, grasping of either pleasant or unpleasant, uh, here there we go again and it happens over and over. Part of what we're doing here is first we have to see how the wheel works. So we have to see actually into it. And then at some point, we actually are going to choose. Uh, We're going to choose not to react, to actually let it be. And this is a powerful, powerful uh, truth because uh, we are just in a process of not there isn't a grasping, And there is an attachment, and there isn't becoming. So in a sense, we have found kind of a little place on the wheel that we can get off, you know. And so that's the main thing I want to talk about tonight. Okay, uh, we have to somehow figure out, that uh, first of all, how it works. And then recognize where it is. Where is it in that process? That there is only one place, and it is actually right now. In this moment. So it's always, like we're always able to start choosing that truth of whatever arises, let it be, and not jumping on the train of association and making up more stuff about it, you know. So, in a sense, you know, uh, I was thinking about the, the, the microphone, you know, and it was, and Carrie came over and it was all tangled up, you know. And in a way, this is the way it is. It's all tangled up, you know. And, um, and our job is actually to untangle. But how do you untangle? You know, is it something you do, or is it something that actually you recognize its nature? You know. So I'd like to give you a description, and this is kind of the way my mind works. Um, is we're going to go on a little trip. You like trips? I do. You know? So uh, we're going to take a little trip here. And uh, first, um, we have to recognize uh, where we start. So, uh, this is, uh, we're on this uh, river, you know, and there are these houses on the river. And uh, many people live in these houses on the river. But what is true is, um, none of the houses are above the floodplain. So, what happens is that uh, every once in a while, the waters rise and take all the furniture out of the house and uh, take it away, and everybody goes back together and they put it all together again, thinking, "Oh, guess what? Now I got it together, you know but you know what happens? Nature is not like that, you know It comes along and it floods again, but each time the kind of uh, incessant belief that somehow if we can get all the furniture in the house all together, it'll be okay. You know. And so there's actually a series of disappointments over and over, uh, just called life. you know. And sometimes it's, you know, it's uh, deaths, divorces, um, you know, uh, things happen. You know? And uh, as things happen, uh, we can begin to in a sense, uh, just kind of build it all back and and say, oh, now it's going to be okay. And that's kind of the conventional or the mundane is you put it all back in, you know? And then, bingo, it happens again, you know? And that ignorance that keeps happening. uh, At some point, you know, another thing that happens is the houses burn, too, you know? They just go up in flames, you know? And, uh, you know, there's nothing uh, that isn't about the truth. And at some point, you begin to see this enough times and start recognizing the, the uh, actually, the disaster of living on this floodplain, you know. And now, description. So there is uh, a hill uh, that's alongside the floodplain, And off in the distance, uh, way out, uh, there's some clouds, and you don't know what's there. But one day, one day, for a moment, the clouds separate, and we see that there is this uh, snow-covered peak uh, that is uh, perfect, you know. And we get a moment's connection there with, oh, you know, there's something about that mountain that uh, kind of represents to me freedom in some way. And it can be just a moment. And it just kind of, see it for a moment, it disappears again, you know. And in that moment, we recognize the nature of the floodplain that we keep again and again, believing somehow that this wheel of dependent origination that keeps circling us around and around, that there's some means of we got to get off this thing, you know? And so we recognize at this point that that Vedna, that place where pleasant and unpleasant and, non-pleasant and non and non-unpleasant happen uh, is a place that maybe it's just as simple as if I just don't react, I just let it be. Its nature is it arises, and sometimes I'm drawn to it. Sometimes I'm away from. Sometimes I'm kind of oblivious, you know. Uh, but uh, we get it, you know, and so we stop reacting to it, and we just kind of sit and allow it in its own nature to untangle itself, and we don't. We're not doing anything. We're just actually being with what is happening. So uh, we decide, okay, uh, enough of this. Uh, I think I need to go on a journey, you know? And so this is, is, is really, first of all, when we start really looking at this uh, wheel of dependent origination and seeing that Vedana, we actually realize that, oh, you know what this whole thing's about? This whole thing is about suffering, You know, I just, you know, this is a floodplain. It's just going to do it again. Maybe not next week, maybe not next year, maybe be time. But it will happen again, you know. And so we choose to, okay, I'm going to leave and begin this process. First of all, I have to climb this hill, and I know the direction. I know where that mountain is, you know. But I have no idea um, how to get there on some level, you know. And so, with that recognition that yes, to turn back and to stay on that wheel—they they call it the mundane wheel of dependent origination—that we actually move into um, what we call the transcendental, uh, transcendental dependent origination, and it only starts in one place. You know, it starts where that—that that right now in this moment that I'm not choosing to, whatever arises, whatever has come out of the karmic or the volitional formation, That where does it come from? Well, no one really knows, it just appears, right? And uh, we don't react to it. We do it again and again, and we, we get how it works. You know? And as we get how it works, then suddenly, you know, maybe it's just this dharma, you know, it's something about the inspiration that there, first of all, is liberation. That that mountain, that little glimpse, and I think that everyone here on some level has had, that's why you're here. You've had this little glimpse of that mountain. And then there is the commitment to start making the journey, you know. So they say that once one... Uh, kind of has decided just to let it be, and and in the moment that one, in the sense, kind of breaks the wheel of dependent origination, then uh, and we recognize the nature of it, uh, its truth. Then uh, actually, the first piece that comes up uh, is simply a word, faith. You know, in some ways, I think that um, you know, as a culture. We always have to start out with blind faith. And however got you here, however you kind of stepped onto the path of Dharma, uh, there had to be, uh, you know, you, you didn't know. It was just that there was some peace in you that uh, maybe had a little glimpse somewhere. You didn't know how it worked. But you willingly, uh, even though it was blind, uh, you wanted to take this journey. And it's actually a very important piece because ultimately uh, in the latter parts of this journey this particular uh, no longer blind faith but the faith uh, to me is really in this that the Dharma uh, that there is uh, a truth and that truth uh, is revealable to us uh, and that if it's revealable to us uh, then it's something that Innately, we can trust, you know. And it's not trusting in anything. It's just trusting uh, in that that kind of pulls you towards the mountain. It pulls you towards liberation, you know. And that uh, we begin to recognize, oh, this is true. And we have to then settle down in this journey of uh, transcendental uh, dependent arising. So once there's a kind of faith there, then uh, we get up to this uh, mountain, and we don 't know where we're going. all we see is this valley that's all fogged in you know and there's another hill, and then you know somewhere out there is the mountain, and at that point, you actually descend into the fog and you come into this lovely valley, it has a river going through it and has a beautiful kind of pond and um, beautiful trees and everything. And we come in, and the first experience is delight, you know? And so the journey at this point, point, be- in it's really beginnings, is where we, we kind of get it together, you know? And we recognize, oh, delight. So I go down and kind of hang out in the stream and uh, smell the flowers. And it is, it's kind of enticing, you know? It's good. But it is also kind of the nature also of this practice, you know? is that it that that delight exists you know and really in the sense of it's so simple you know oh i'm just going to sit and be quiet and when i kind of get through excuse my dependent origination it's not, i can't use that word anyway uh get through it uh then you know um you know when i get through it then suddenly the sitting here oh, you know, you had those moments, you know, where, he, you know, I know you had some rough moments, but there are moments where the simplicity of just, you know, oh, a breath breathing itself, you know? And you've all been here long enough. You know what I'm talking about. And it is really, uh, there's a sense of delight. Uh, and, uh, and as you kind of go deeper into uh, this valley Uh, you find uh, something so simple, like joy, you know. Uh, It's simply part of the nature of this practice, you know. And then, you know, uh, in a sense of uh, the sitting here, it's interesting because one of the things we rely on here Uh, is uh, a thing called tranquility, you know. And tranquility is really uh, where the body uh, is deeply at rest, you know. And there is sense of, um, you know, it is, it has the delight, it has the joy, and the steadiness that allows us to move in this valley, you know. It's interesting, because again, uh, these sometimes they can be considered states that support the journey itself. So the light, the joy, the tranquility, you know. And also, uh, in these moments, you know, when you um, walk in the hills here, it's so pristine, you know and uh, the the tree out there with all the flowers on it. And, you know, if you actually give yourself over to this uh, kind of the beauty that's here and and the creatures that uh, all, you know, the deer, the mothers have taught their young that we're okay. And so there is this is really like a garden of peace, you know. And so we have... The simple truth of the delight and the joy and the tranquility and uh, happiness, you know? Uh, And happiness, you know, when we're not in our stuff and we're just uh, in present time and we know we're on the journey uh, and uh, we're in kind of a very perfected place, you know, and we recognize it, you know, And there is, with that happiness, there is a sense of contentment, you know. And that contentment... um, It is inherent in the valley itself, you know. And I know we all want to live here in the valley forever, you know. Not a bad idea, but... And also, uh, this is part of uh, that things arise. They're here for a while and they pass away. You know? So at this point, you know, there is uh, a, a really, you can say, you can use the word samadhi, you know, that suddenly, uh, you can, or concentration, you know, that uh, there is this recognition uh, that uh, you can in sense, kind of drop in, and there are all kinds of uh, wonderful states that arise, you know. And Ajahn Chah used to say, you know, don't be fooled by them, you know. They too, uh, they arise, and and uh, and to know their nature, but they sure are good, and and are healthy, and sometimes uh, the subtlety is sometimes. In the outer world, you know, I mean, we have chocolate and sex and uh, all these things that we think are so delightful. But actually here, uh, there is an incredible experience when there's enough concentration, enough samadhi, uh, and there's this wherewithal that really we know what pleasant experience is like. You know? Isn't it great? Yeah. Now... So we're in this valley, and we think, oh, well, you know, this valley goes on forever. But I, st- I want to keep going. I want to know what's going on here. So suddenly you see that, oh, there is this uphill, you know, and uh, it's kind of steep, you know. And you go, oh, I can't leave this, you know. What's, what's this, you know. And uh, the truth is uh, there, there's still the longing. This is all wonderful. But there is a longing uh, for a view of that mountain, you know, and recognizing its nature, you know? And so you climb, and you have to climb. And you climb, and what happens is that uh, one begins to, uh, in a sense, they kind of, some of those experiences kind of recede in the background somewhat, you know? And uh, not that we forget them, but uh, our interest is that we want to move on, you know? And they talk about this next kind of up on the plateau there that uh, uh, looks over another valley. And one gets to this top. And it's known as the knowledge and vision of the way things are. So you've come out of this uh, kind of, uh, really it is kind of the the, um, the joys of uh, meditation practice in that way. And so there is knowledge and vision of the way things are, you know. What's that mean? You know? And this is really where suddenly we've collected ourselves enough and had some really good experience of sitting, and then we start looking directly at how things are. And so there is the knowledge and vision of it. And they say it's pretty uh, direct and simple. First of all, uh, before, uh, it was more about, um, you know, it really I could say lightness of being, you know. But this, we come to turn that lightness of being, that this kind of uh, uh, access, um, collectedness, Look directly at what's appearing. What's true, you know? And what is it that's true? Oh, I, I'm not turning back. I'm just sitting on this kind of hill, and I start to see. Oh, how much I get caught up, you know? And I see. Oh, guess what? Oh, it's all impermanent. It's not. It's just you know, vanishing and vanishing and vanishing you know, and uh, there is first, you know, uh, a question, you know, how much of this is vanishing, you know, how much, you know, and you start getting, oh, this is, uh, the truth of this is that, oh my goodness, it's all like that, you know, and so suddenly there are, actually these are the primal insights at this point, oh, I see how it works, you know? And then at the same time, you know, oh, my goodness, I've walked all this distance, you know, oh, man, there's parts of my body I'd feel, you know, tired and, and uh, creaky and all that stuff. And we begin to recognize, oh, my goodness, you know? Uh, yes, there's pain. And there's also stuff I hold on to, that second arrow, you know? And the reality of both the truth of uh, this body and this journey and that we see the nature, you know. But the suffering, seeing the suffering from this point is different from the suffering of getting off the wheel, which I mentioned was the first piece when you sort of recognize, oh, I'll just let it be, you know. And instead of staying on the wheel of dependent origination, I actually, this suffering is, in a sense, there's, A recognition. So there's the recognition of the nature of my choosing about how it happens, you know, and the nature of suffering. And suffering suddenly no longer is just about uh, me, you know. Uh, It's about seeing into uh, really a truth that exists not just for me, but for all things. They're all beings, you know. Due to the confusion, they suffer, you know. And so that recognition or realization, you know, uh, is actually a, a wonderful uh, recognition, you know. And it's not uh, in the, so much the pain of suffering. It's about the realization or the recognition of the nature of the whole, the whole thing, you know. And really, uh, that realization uh, is is imperative. You know, impermanence it just sees phenomenally that if you break everything down to the smallest particle, you know, uh, there's no substantial truth in it. It's all interdependent or interconnected in some way, you know. And um, and then we look directly at the collective nature and the realization of the suffering. And so one really brings wisdom and the other brings heart because when we see into the suffering, the suffering is actually, uh, uh, in a way, I see it as a gift, you know, that uh, it gives you uh, something that um, allows you to connect, you know, and it allows you to, rec- to recognize from this place, you know, it's not a me suffering, it's about suffering. They're different you know, at this point, you know? And so it's really this thing that, oh, I suffer. Oh, we all suffer. And that suffering goes on and on, you know? And uh, in a way, this can kind of break your heart, too. But this is what the practice is about. It's going to do that, you know? It's just, how is human being to human being, you know? And not only that, you think, oh, are we evolving? Try that one on, you know? we probably have uh, you know a tradition of about hundred and twenty five wars going on as human beings and the just the the unfairness you know of the diversity issues and you know one of the things that going to India almost every year you know it's you know it, it always astounds me you know how could people be live like that you know and yet there's something about them that you know, that, that totally uh, I get, you know, because even in the, the amount of people, there's something that's a kind of self organizing there, even in the collective suffering, you know. There's, a, there's that basic goodness from the suffering. You know, I remember this was years and years ago. Uh, I had a friend, and I, I'm kind of introverted and I, I'm kind of shy. And um, and my friend was I met him in Afghanistan in the sixties and and he was um, you know was um, he was an extrovert and we would go from Bugaya where we were living and sitting and stuff to Calcutta to change in those days to change money and get chocolate bars and things like that and one of the beauties of my friend Monty was um, he, I don't know he was just magnetic in some way and so we'd go. Uh, out on the street uh, near the market, and he would collect up the beggars and bring them to a tea shop, you know, and um, and he would buy them, you know, tea and biscuits, you know, and so we'd go and the baby party, you know. But the thing was nobody ever really took them on like that. And um, one of the things for me, I don't know why I'm mentioning this, but it was such a big deal, that the leopards that would come in, and this was uh, in the 1970, and they would come in, and you know they wouldn't have any fingers; they have, um, you know, stuffs wrapped around their finger, and they maybe didn't have a nose, or you know, it was like, whoa. And one of the things was, you know, I'm not, I'm, I'm actually not a, of a caste, so uh, and they are outcasts, and so they could touch me. You know, and I would sit there and it would be you know for the lepers and I, I didn 't really understand it all, but I you know it's not easy uh, to get leprosy, but there was a thing about uh, my, my my fear, you know about them touching me, and they were always you know they're bandaged up and covered and stuff, but um, it was kind of i don't know it was kind of revealing of my own uh, it's really a kind of bringing my own fear to the surface, you know. And um, I don't know why I say that, but uh, it was a big deal for me to actually see into it in some way. And then uh, with that, you know, then there was this piece that, okay, how do I look at this, you know, that if I can see that uh, everything, uh, the, everything in nature you know, if it's part of nature, it arises and passes away. And does it have uh, an individual separate self? No. It's all part of this process, interconnected. You know, looking at it uh, from that independent point of view. You know, and that the suffering is that that uh, touches us in this world. And the universal, universal principle of it, not so much the individual. And then the next kind of insight there, which is so fundamental, uh, is um, not self. You know And it's so hard. I, I think, "Oh, how can you talk about this? Because it's not something so much that uh, we're going to get intellectually. Uh, what we're going to get is in moments when nothing is happening, you know, and that there's no, you know, in the in that inner wheel of the dependent arising, uh, when uh, I- ignorance doesn't arise, when either uh, greed or aversion doesn't arise then, so there's nothing magnifying. It's very much like that story I told of, you know, ringing the bell in the morning. I became so guilty, you know. I mean, I was so incredibly guilty. I got huge, you know. I was like a 10 feet tall, you know. And everywhere I turned, that's who I saw, you know. But the way this works is we begin to settle in and recognize that, oh, somehow... Uh, when, I'm so, when I'm at ease and I'm relaxed and I'm not doing anything, I'm not creating anything, that I can see that what I know is myself is, is just not, it's not the same, you know? And it's really that is the know self that kind of, oh, it's the absence of, you know? And it happens a lot, by the way. But the only problem here which is so fundamental to us, is that we are so hooked on the charge. You know? Oh, you know, um, you know, uh, when I like something, then, ah, I make myself big enough to get it. You know? And uh, I come out of nowhere. You know? And then, oh, I don't like that. You know? And the next thing you know, you're kind of like, whoa, you know? And as soon as that, there you are again, you know? And we're playing this pendulum back and forth all the time of the charge on our experience, you know? So liking and disliking. And that liking and disliking is the creation of who we think we are, you know? But I I like to see it as like a pendulum, you know? And there's kind of this zero point. And I really want, you know, I like pleasantness. So I want it to be up at, you know, way up at 10. You know, that's the right place for it. You know? And that one over there, the unpleasantness, I want that to be not even one. You know? But the thing is, it's always swinging. You know? And we're always passing a center point. We could just call it the zero point. And the habit of the mind is to react to the pleasant and unpleasant. And so it's constantly uh, in reaction and missing that it's going over this zero point all the time, you know? And more you sit here, one of the lovely truths of sitting here is that you begin to, and this is really, in some ways, I see as our responsibility as teachers is we're pointing to the zero point. Oh, guess what? There's nothing there, you know? It's not something, but it doesn't have a charge on it, you know? And that, oh, what is the feeling? Oh, there is a sense of peace there. You know, oh, it's okay. And so this knowledge and vision, the way things are, uh, we, uh, you know, we begin to see how it works. And Really, it is a place of um, great insight, you know, into the kind of the nature of things, uh of the impermanence and the emptiness of things uh the uh suchness of it uh and eventually just um you know the atamayata not there with the object itself you know so it's no longer dual it's just uh what's available present but no thing nobody you know and then at that point you know, there can be a recognition that, oh, guess what? The mountain. I forgot all about it, you know? Oh, that's right. I got to keep going here. So suddenly you go, oh, wait a minute. There's all this fog. And, oh, look, there's a rocky, rocky ledge there. Oh, my goodness. do I, Am I supposed to go on, you know? And oh, couldn't I just stay here and kind of the knowledge and the vision, the way things are? You could. You can, you know? But there's this, you know, this instinctual internal drive. And it is towards liberation, you know. And you have all, in whatever ways, uh, it is there. You would not be here otherwise, you know. And I know sometimes, boy, uh, kind of the devils come and they capture us for a little while. But there is suffering that leads to the end of suffering, and there's suffering that just leads to more suffering and that's the wheel of dependent origina- origination but this this particular thing you know is the untangling and so uh, there is a process saying oh i gotta go on here you know and so suddenly you look and you go oh my goodness man that is steep i hope my boots are okay and i i got my poles you know <laughs> and uh you know i hope I got my water bottle and I guess I just got to go, you know? And next thing you know, you're kind of walking over these rocks and, and you're going, oh my God, couldn't I just go back, you know? What have I done, you know? <laughs> and at that point, you know, uh, the, the language is disenchantment, you know? You suddenly realize oh, the, the, the whole Michigas is just, you know, oh, wait, I, I, I want freedom. You know, I want freedom the most, you know? And so you actually have to go down, and the disenchantment, in the sense, it takes you apart a little bit, you know? Because we always have this belief, belief about pleasure and goodness and all this stuff. And you're going to have to let it all go, you know? And you go down through the rocks and, you know, with your poles, and, and uh, the, really, this, uh, uh, you know, there is enchantment, uh, which happens back. Uh, in the, the valley before where the delight and the joy was. There was enchantment there. But this is disenchantment. Like, oh, you know, am I going to go through this? And it's not. there's some not easy things about this. But you start to go. And yet there's still the strength of what has come before it. You know where you're going, you know. And so you actually are willing to take on the kind of the steep path that goes down you know, knowing that if I go down, you got to go up. You know, so you start going down, and then, in a sense, you kind of reach towards the bottom, and there is a, a, a kind of a, a, an equanimity that comes. And the language in the uh, in this um, transcendent, uh, dependent, arising. Uh, is uh, the word is dispassion, you know? And what it is is saying, okay, I'm willing. Uh, You know what? I am more interested in going up this mountain because you've gone down and you of kind of given it all up, say, okay, here I am. And then there is the truth of climbing again, you know? And now it's a little higher up, you know, because you drop down. And uh, there's dispassion. You know, oh, you know, um, you know, I think it's okay. I really understand what kind of letting things be is. And I understand that if I let it be, there is a natural process called letting go. And so I am establishing myself uh, in this ability to say, okay, I'm climbing, you know. And um, uh, at that point, you know, there's a lot of understanding uh, about what you've committed yourself to, you know. Kind of the disenchantment going downhill, you kind of, the last pieces you kind of let go of. And then there is this uh, dignity, this dignity that is reaching out towards liberation, you know. And it is something... Absolutely fundamental in you, you know. And you don't know how long it's going to take to go up the mountain, but now you're determined, you know. And you're going to climb. So we kind of reach a ledge up, you know, and we kind of stop and... And, you know, we still can't see the top of the mountain. Uh, but one of the things that happens is while we're standing on this ledge, the clouds move. And we get this inspiration that, oh, you know, I'm going the right way. This is what I have had in the deepest of my deepest hearts, that this is the way I wanted to go. You know? And we recognize seeing the mountain there is a sense of, oh, this, you know, it's a fragile piece at this point, but there is a sense, they use the word of, um, well, liberation or emancipation, you know. And so we're on this ledge and we go, oh, I know, I know how this works. And I am, I'm going, you know. And at this way, in some ways we're being, at that point, we're being pulled along, you know. It's like the... Interest in it and the, the need to somehow, um, uh, this instinctual need to let go, to release, you know, is there. And so we actually have a moment. We see the mountain very clearly, you know, and we see it for what it is. And there's a great sense of relief, you know. Ah, I know. And it would be interesting just to say, okay, now I'll just walk on up the mountain, and that's, this is kind of the journey itself. But one of the truths about that glimpse, a sense of emancipation or deliverance, is um, in this in the subtlety of this is you have to know what you experience. You have to know uh, how this is. And so at that point, they say that there is the uh, knowledge uh, of deliverance or knowledge of liberation. No. So it's not something that just happens and, uh, wow, that's it. It's actually there is then, uh, oh, I got it. I saw them. I know what it's like. And um, now I have to kind of digest that. What does that mean? You know, in the cells of my body, you know. And I have to say, you know, with this at this place, um, you know, after kind of a moment of emancipation, this uh, knowledge of deliverance is, it can take... Years, you know, to actually find the integration of how it works, you know. So um, th- that's a place where you can't know it all at once. You have to, you know, you can only do a little piece of it at a time. And that emancipation, that experience, you know, uh, which could be, you know, in Ajahn Buddhadass's, it could be just, you know, what he called momentary nirvana. You know, because actually, what this is pointing at is uh, nibbana. You know, and so momentary. Oh yeah, I I, I kind of get in my system uh, where freedom lies. You know, and it's okay, it's okay. You know, uh, how am I going to now kind of live in the wheel of dependent origination? with knowing what I know you know so so it's a journey and uh, it's also this is uh, somewhat a descriptive thing about a journey it is totally imperfect by the way And at the same time, I'm hoping that in some way that it inspires you uh, that you are on this journey, wherever you are on this, you know, and that every moment, every moment that you say, um, oh, you know, I'm not gonna, that grasping, I'm not gonna grasp, you know, and I start seeing, oh, that what it feels like not to grasp, you know. And that at that point, yes. And so, this is not such a linear model. But you know, then, but one of the pieces is what recognition of suffering is true, and this truth about faith. You know, and I know in, in kind of uh, Buddhism, we're kind of more, especially in the West, that uh, you know, being here, um, you know, we're, we're, we're doubters, as as um, you know, kind of scientific doubters, is our, our mo. You know, one of the reasons I go back to Asia all the time is because, oh, you know, they have so much faith. I, I get to go and borrow, you know. I get to borrow a little bit, you know, because I don't have much myself. So I go there and I can, I can just, you know, it's like, oh, can there be that kind of purity in the human? You know, and you go, oh, yes, it's there, you know. And, uh, and in some ways, then, um, it brings me closer to faith, you know. And faith, you know, the, the word sada it actually translates also as, uh, for me, as uh, really about confidence. I have confidence in what I've experienced, complete, you know. I know what this path does, you know. And therefore, I have confidence in you. That you will take this journey. And this is not a, the things I said tonight are not necessarily linear uh, because it doesn't necessarily work like that. But it's just in some uh, way of describing that uh, there is this uh, journey to take. So, anyway, I've been talking a long time. There's a lot to say tonight. So, stay out of trouble.